0: This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC with my new friend, Asaf Gall, hailing from East Meadow, Long Island. I am from Westbury. We are one town over. We would potentially have been rivals, but you came from a bigger school and a better sports athletic program. Uh, So we are here to talk about what you're doing in the fitness industry, under crunch territory that you put together um, to grow out of uh, Queens, Bronx and Brooklyn. Um, so welcome to Halo Talks. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So we initially met uh, through our FDNY train like a firefighter. That's right. Uh, I think you graduated in the top, uh, top 5% of, uh, of that from a physical fitness standpoint. Thank you. It's feeling good. Um, so for our listeners, what I want to try and cover today is you know, you've taken the leap to become an entrepreneur. You probably mitigated some of your risk, I think, by going under a brand. Um, so there's going to be a lot of people out there that are listening to this, that are, have a day job and are saying, you know, I really want to get into the halo sector. Um, and, and hopefully they use this as a, um, a, a passionate podcast to, to take that step. Um, but also think about what the, what the opportunities and the risks are. So why don't you talk about growing up in, in East Meadow and going to Michigan and kind of, you know, take us through your journey. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I'm an immigrant came from
1: Israel 1987 and, from the beginning, trying to make it work, my father was an entrepreneur, sole proprietor, small business owner. And that's what put me uh, through life and then to University of Michigan. So from a, you know, the early days, as far as, back as I can remember, people would say, you know, what do you want to be? And someone would say a police officer and a firefighter. And everyone kind of knew this thing that they wanted to be. And I just said, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work with my family back then like that wasn't a very I didn't use that word I (laughs) I want to have a business is probably what I said Uh, but I just just always was part of our DNA and it's the only thing we really saw Um, so when I went to University of Michigan you know the the environment around us kind of dictated you know it's either sales and trading or investment banking and Mm -hmm. you just make the leap to finance I went to finance but to private wealth management Uh, so there was definitely a lot of lessons learned there and a lot of uh, you know getting comfortable being uncomfortable, talking to people who are with significant wealth and trying to convince them that they should invest with you. It just wasn't really a passion of mine. So it was good to do. And I'm glad I, I did that and had those experiences. But there was always in the back of my mind, you know, when am I going to work with my brothers? When am I going to do something for myself? So I made the leap to an e-commerce store that one of my brothers had started. What year was that? That was in 2008 when the auction market securities uh, froze okay. telling people this is this is a liquid market, and it's just like cash and then and then the world turned upside down, sure, um, and I was an assistant to some financial advisors
0: then, so I made the leap and uh, Let, let's stay on that for sure. one second because you know i was uh, I was looking at um, I was reading something the other day and and uh, you know everything goes in, in effectively ten year cycles. Um, and this quote said that uh, the business business cycle is 10 years, but the, a banker's memory is only five. <laughs> so, you know, from a standpoint of what happened in 2008 and having you know, effectively the luxury of understanding, you know, how that feels as a business person and also living through that. How has that changed the way you think about calibrating risk or, you know, is it's not sunny every day?
1: I think it just uh, broadens the perspective, right? Mm-hmm. At that time, just before that, oh six, oh seven, people were saying, you know, we got to invest in real estate in Florida. It literally can't go down, and you're, like you're saying, there's this amnesia. Right, you just forget that things won't always be how they are right now. And so, even though our, our you know, fast forward now to the uh, couple of gyms we have open. If it's going pretty well, that's great, but I'm constantly on the lookout for you know, how to mitigate risk in the future, how to deal with some sort of, you know if a competitor opens up across the street, how could we be acting in a way that people would just walk right by them and be like, well, yeah, but that's not this crunch here. So I think it just kind of, not to be hyperbolic or make it like we're always worried, but we always understand that it's not always going to stay like this. So what do we do to protect ourselves?
0: Great. So yeah, you worked with the e-commerce um, company. That was a family Yeah,
1: business? my brothers and I started it. It was selling solar lights online. Okay. Uh, we just drop shipped. We, you know, for the year in business, we probably saw one or two of the products itself. A lot of great lessons learned there. And one of the, the lessons learned or, you know, of a couple of them I could probably mention was just listening to people. We would take the phone calls listen people, to the people would say, Hey, would this light my flag? And we're like, what flag? What? You, what? And then over and over again, they'd call and would say, would this light my flag? Apparently uh, there are rules in America that govern how to display your flag and if you have an american flag outside and it's not illuminated it needs to be taken down every day wow so this is a big country people have a lot of flags you can leave
0: it up so you can leave it up exactly
1: wow as long as it's illuminated and big yards big property no electricity a solar light was the perfect solution Hmm. um so we sourced and we looked for and we you know dug and dug and dug so you put it on top of the there's there's two main kinds one was a spotlight that was bright enough for you know for 20 foot poles and another would literally latch on to the pole and that was made by a a flag company called Valley Forge Flag in Pennsylvania. Smart. yeah it's yeah, uh, so
0: so what uh, w- what led you to say, okay, this is, this is interesting, and you know you're, you're selling effectively to say, uh, you know I want to get into the fitness, the halo sectors that we like to use. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what was your um, evaluation period that you gave yourself, and, mm-hmm. and how did you go about you know putting together either like a scorecard? trust your gut, look at the analysis. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking at different brands and and they typically call us up and say, Hey, what do you think of crunch? What do you Mm -hmm. think of blink? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, um, I think it needs to be more granular about like, why am I doing this? Who am I doing it with? Who are the people? So kind of talk us through your thought process and and, and analysis.
1: I guess. Sure. Yeah. So when we were in the e-commerce space, I kind of just looked around and said, you know, this isn't, Enough winning here wouldn't really be winning. So how can we sell this? And it was a really quick, you know, few week turnaround and we were on our way. Um, then when I started, you know, the thing that got me on franchises was I, I have energy. I have passion. I, I want to direct that energy, but I want to direct it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so if I could be given an operations manual, you know, I'll work the hell out of it. Um, but I don't want to come up with something from A to Z. So I don't want to be a high tech, you know, SaaS company. It's just not my wheelhouse, but uh, owning... And operating franchises really seemed like a, a great fit. Um, so when I did the due diligence on, it started off with Planet Fitness, and I felt like I owed it to myself and to my family to analyze other businesses as well. So Massage Envy, Jimmy John sandwiches, mm-hmm. haircuts for men and boys, just the whole slew of them because you should really analyze and, and look under all the rocks and see sure. what's going on there. And to your point, you know, there are different financial models with each one of these, and there's a different level of scalability with them right you do hear about operators who buy you know 60 planet fitnesses that's a thing that you can do in the halo space or with you know low cost high value gyms but i remember a phone call with massage envy i said well what if i want to buy 10 and the guy was like well you know we our best operators really only had 3 cuz you have to be close enough on the ground and, and operate it that way mm-hmm. so that was a you know a big part of what kind of sorted out a lot of the, the businesses that wouldn't work and and, I, and fitness is just a passion of mine as well so it really was a big click.
0: And were you looking to stay local? Was that, or were you looking across country at the time?
1: I did have an open mind, um, thinking about moving to Colorado, you know, west of the Mississippi for, for Planet fitness. And then it just was a great confluence of events where crunch, um, I thought was the best value proposition I thought did have the best people. I connected most with the people that were involved. Mm -hmm. Um, and I live in New York city and Brooklyn, Bronx and Queens became available. So it was that decision was made. Yeah,
0: I guess, um, I mean, to me, it seems like somewhat of a coup that you were able to get these, (laughs) these boroughs. Um, and and just for, for background, um, we did the original crunch deal in 2005, uh, with Andrew Gordon and crunch corporate had not developed the franchise system yet. And, uh, the guy who was the head of, um, of corporate development and looking at new locations, he was in, um, and he's a good friend of mine and I'm not, trying to razz him or anything. He's not, he's not with the company anymore, but he was going to Miami and he was going to Coral Gables and Coral Springs and, uh, places in, in LA. And I, 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 I told him over, over a beer, I said, get a Metro card and don't leave the subway grid because everyone in New York city knows what crunch is like go build in Queens, go build in Bronx, go build in, in Brooklyn, go build in Long Island because the brand affinity and the, and the distance from you know the epicenter of this brand is is right here. So how did you get? How did this become available, uh, and how did you get it? I uh,
1: so there's a great word. It's chutzpah. Chutzpah. So I, I have enough of it. Let's I, tell people what that is, uh, in, case, it's uh, like a uh, blade, in case there are any non-Jews listening. Uh, yeah, like a. Like a blatant disregard for authority, uh, or just a recognition that the world is ours to make, and so just go and try and make it. The worst thing they can say is no. Right, right, so, right. So, so I was on the phone with uh, one of the executives at Crunch, and I said, "Well, <laughs> what'll it take to get the Brooklyn, Bronx, and Queens market?" Uh, right. It's let's just be candid. Right. We'd heard about the successes that Planet Fitness had in this market. Sure. Um, and I wanted it, and they said, "No, no, no," and they kept on holding off. And then I just kept asking. And they said, you know, if you could do 10, then, then we would do it. And I said, okay, we'll do it. Did they have
0: any corporate locations in those boroughs? Not at that time. Okay, uh, They have since, but not yet. Gotcha. So what, what's your actual, um, so, okay. So, you, so you, you, you went in there, you, you, you asked for the, uh, you asked for the for the for the full uh, f- full Monty and, and you got most of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is um, wh- what's your territory look like and, and what team did you build when you started to do this? Sure. Uh,
1: let me just re- rewind for a moment. You said sure. earlier about the, the brand affinity right. and that, you know, talking about entrepreneurs and small business owners and franchising. That is a big part of what you're buying. Sure. Right. So to be able to have the luxury and say, I'm opening up a crunch and they say, well, thank you. That's huge, right. and that it's for, really for hard the, to value cons- that. For
0: the customer. Yeah, for memory. the customer, yeah. yeah,
1: as the business owner. Because, you know, if you have a crunch and you go to other parts of the country that are not as familiar yet, you have to educate the consumer, right. and that's expensive and challenging, and there's just friction involved in that. Sure. Um, so the territory is Brooklyn, Bronx, and Queens. There's 6.5 million people in that uh, area. And uh, what was the question after that?
0: The question after that was what team? Oh, team. What, yeah, maybe. So, so you got the 10-store 10, uh, 10 development agreement. What was the next step after that?
1: Finding locations, signing some leases. So I drove around with the head of development for Crunch and started to learn about what it would take to make a successful location, right? Mm-hmm. Ease of access, make sure we had enough visibility, make sure the rent numbers were right, and signed a couple of leases on the same day with the same landlord. And, and then that was the next, the next phase there was learning how to build a,
0: a gym and follow so the, when, the manual. So when you, and, and there's a couple of things that just came up on, a, on another deal we were working on. Did you look at some of the competitors? You say, okay, look, there's a planet fitness here. I want to be as close to the planet fitness or I want to be as far away from the planet fitness.
1: So it probably evolved a bit on that thinking. Originally it was give me some distance. I, you know, I don't right. know how to compete, so let me not compete. And then now, again, speaking candidly, you know, I think if you go head to head, Crunch has more in the box and a better value proposition. We go a little bit more premium and think we do a bit of a better job to the consumer rather than just go, uh, low price. Um, so if there's a 15,000 foot planet fitness across the street from what, if I'm making a 20,000 foot crunch, I would love to do that because that's the area where people go to the gym and we could outcompete them. If gotcha. it's, if
0: they're bigger than we are and we have to throw in a group fitness studio and turf,
1: I think that could be challenging.
0: How have you dealt with the different pricing tiers? Cause obviously crunch New York is, you know, effectively a premium brand, I guess, under the Equinox, you know, price umbrella, as I mm-hmm. like to say, um, substantially under it, but but at least you know has the ability to play in that that premium range. Mm-hmm. So in in the in in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and, and Queens, what's your pricing model and what is the members' uh, understanding of what they're getting? I
1: think it is uh, first the pricing is the nine ninety five low cost space. So we're fourteen ninety five, twenty $24.95, and thirty four ninety five depending yeah. on the amenity offering. And I think the consumer gets it, right? If you just say, hey, there's signature clubs in Manhattan, they offer an elevated experience. And so it's an elevated price point, you know, that they just get it. Like if you go to Starbucks in Grand Central Station or Starbucks in Des Moines, it's just probably going to be a different cost cappuccino and the consumers accept that. Got it. So what access level do you have
0: if you're a member of one of your clubs and you come to
1: Manhattan? It would work the other direction where if you're a signature member and you pay for access to multiple facilities, you're more than welcome to attend ours. Uh, it does not work the other direction where if you if you are a member of a crunch base location, uh, you'd still have to pay an, a, a lower entrance fee uh, per day.
0: Got a it. Signature. So um, g- given your level of chutzpah and your <laughs> level of, of passion and drive, you've got you've got two locations now and you've got a third on a way. Talk to our audience about consistent and, and programmed growth and not for you to wake up every day and say, Hey, I got to get to 10 locations and I got to get there like within 18 months or I got to build yeah. out this territory as quick as possible. How do you think about that?
1: So I think you have to, you know, crawl before you walk, walk before you run. And, uh, I'm thinking about operationally making sure our, our systems and our operations are dialed in and we're well-oiled machines so that we can replicate success as opposed to just have to figure it out again. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather not have, chaos. I really want to package it and have it replicable. And then the other thing is, is build a people bullpen. Uh, there's nothing I'd rather have than someone from within, you know, growing and starting the next store and, you know, opening up multiple locations at a time. I find that challenging. So I think that acceleration will
0: take place when it's when it's so ready. given that you know that you have the territory. Does that put you at ease knowing that I'll build this out on my timeline and not be forced to you'll grow at a, at a, at a, at a pace that, that you, that gets outside of your, your comfort zone. So I could make an
1: analogy here, but no, I, I think there, there is a bit of a, of a gold rush land grab happening. You know, blink is, is well resourced and, and growing fast. Mm-hmm. Planet has a bunch of great locations. Retro does. So, you know, just waiting, other people would be able to come in and win. Um, and I, I liken that I, I mentioned earlier that I was a, a wrestler right. in high school. And you can see this different mentalities. Some people wrestle to win. They are just going to score points and try and pin, regardless of what is on the scoreboard. They're just going to go in to win. Mm-hmm. And others wrestle not to lose. And so they'll take their time to look at how much time is left. Uh, in this space, you have, to, you have to play to win. You have to go and get those members and change those lives and give fitness at an affordable price. But, but just waiting for it to happen, other
0: people will come in and take it. Got it. Um, w- when you look around and you see someone build, you know we'll will we'll do this on a no names basis, but when you see someone go into a, to an area and you're like, oh, you know that that they're not gonna they're, that lease is way too high, <laughs> you know. Um, how do you how do you kind of calibrate like your level of discipline and say, look, you know that they they took that spot and and there is a bit of a land grab, but that land grab is going to be worth zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just something that you know the irrational development is, is is the biggest issue in this sector. I agree. I think
1: they're uh, when small players do that. I think if we wait it out, it won't won't be worthwhile for them. And when big players do, there's a bit of a portfolio going on where you know they have enough stores that are winning that can hold up the stores that are losing. Right. Uh, whereas I have to be profitable every month. Right. And so I have to have profitable growth every month. And so I just know that. And so I, 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 see some leases and they're asked of me and the, the rents are where they are. And you know, I don't even think about it. It's not worth negotiating.
0: Yeah. So we, we've only known each other for, for a couple of months, but I, um, I sense that you enjoy the ride <laughs> and I like you view this as a journey and you don't view it as like, uh, you know, a sprint and, and we're trying to get somewhere. So how do you balance your, your, your life and, and your work? And I know Besso's, uh, from Amazon says, you know, there's no thing, there's not no such thing as like work life balance. It's like, this is what I do. And you know, here's like the, the scope of my work or the breadth of my, my work, I think is the term.
1: Sure. And I come at this from a, there's a great book called the E-Myth, mm-hmm. E-Myth Revisited. Sure. And there's just a, a whole, you know, view of and perspective on, on your business. I come at it from that angle where I, I own my business and it doesn't own me. Mm-hmm. It's an, ex, it's outside of me. If it was crushing me on top of me, then I would probably feel that stress to a different level every day. But it is outside of me. It's different from me. uh, And that does help. And every day is a roller coaster. You know, in the morning, you think everything's great. You're going to sell for a billion. By noon, you hate yourself. And by 3 o'clock, you're even again. Right. Um, right. But if you zoom out a little bit and, you know, it's never a straight line up. But if you zoom in, it's up and down, up, down, down. As long as
0: overall, over time, it's going well, then that's the game I'm in. Got it. Um, so you, you talked about having the, the the wish list would be okay. I've got these great employees, and they become managers, and they oversee the next asset. And there's a level of trust. There's a level of training. One of our entrepreneurs that that we just did a deal with um, said to a private equity firm, "Look, I'm not in the business of microwaving managers. I got a crock pot every one of them, mm-hmm. and when they get crock potted, they're then they they they're they're ready to go." Um, But that's not something I can fast track. So my business is going to grow when I know I have the right people in the right places. So what do you do on the development side and maybe talk about, you know, your your FDNY crew that came with us and and how you view your people? Because I think some people that get into this business try to hide behind the brand that they're in and basically say, well, that brand's going to generate X for me and I don't really have to worry about who's running it. Sure.
1: I I think I felt that way originally and you learn that lesson hard and fast if you're looking where the brand will it's a great logo to have on your direct mail piece. It it helps when you flyer. Um it will bring people in the door, but then when they're in the door, your people have to engage with them. Sure. Um so it's super important that we have um I call it the what how why, right? You have to tell them what they're doing, tell them how to do that, and I think the thing people often overlook is the why. Try and connect it to some larger why, and then try and connect it to, hey, what's in it for me? How can this help me? So a simple example of you know, get more checking accounts as opposed to credit cards, how do you turn that around to them? Like, well, you know that list we call of people that are going to go to collections, and it's really uncomfortable? That list just got a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have to always have that emphasis and connect it to the larger picture the business is going to save on credit card fees, and you're going to not have to have you know, 200 people to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from the EmIth uh, school of thought, there's something, a tool we use called a development meeting. And so every week I have a development meeting with my, my managers, my direct reports, and they have them with theirs. So it's at least an hour where we just carve out time, and it's me focused on you and your development, your growth, mm. and how can I help you? How can I get out of the way to let you succeed? How can I come in and help you with something? What are you working on? Asking and engaging with them on you know, how things are outside of work. Not that I can necessarily fix those problem, problems for them, but just knowing about them paints the picture with more color uh, and you know who they are that they're bringing to work. So you're just more educated when you're, when you're feeling and
0: experiencing different things with them. Right. So, um, we, we, we used to do the slide that said, okay, your, your planet fitness is basically like, uh, the, the business model is like a return on marketing and parking and kind of like <laughs> a glorified laundromat in not in a bad way. In a, no, it, it works. Is what it is,
1: right. Yeah. They're great.
0: Uh, and then you got equinox is really like a you know, return on invested capital and I'm going to create an experience and, and you're going to pay for it on a revenue per member. And then we talk about the, the groups that are in the middle market and not, not in a bad way, but you know, it's in the middle and it's priced in the middle and, and the experience is in the middle of those two. And, um, we used to tell all the gold's gym operators, like, look, you're, you're playing a game. It's called ROR and it's return on relationships. And if you don't know the name of the group exercise instructor, who's bringing in consistently 40, 50 people a day, you know, to their class, like that's your core member base. So I feel like crunch given the group X and given that content that people want. And we did some work and Nikki's been working with us on on all these stats, you know, 25% of the people come into a health club to go to a group exercise class. So I feel like the winning strategy in the middle market is to be able to have a low cost option, but also to have the content Mm -hmm. and and the community. So how, how do you view, you know, the, the, the development of your, of your group exercise and your personal trainers. It sounds like you're doing that with the development side, but also just um, you know, how you view your business model. Sure.
1: I, I think I'm right that the name of the book is Competing Against Luck, and it's talking about innovation. And so it's kind of like a sliding scale you were just referring to on the XY axis is, you know, do a better job, don't do as good of a job, charge more, charge less. And so Equinox is the example of doing a better job and charging more. So that's great. They're in that quadrant. They do a great job. And Planet Fitness took the other side. Don't do as great of a job and don't charge as much. And there's plenty of consumers who want that. Right. I think Crunch does a great job in that quadrant in the top right corner of it. Mm-hmm. So we charge a little bit more and do a little bit more. And I think that's a good winning formula. So Crunch as a f- company and as a franchise takes great care of the development of the group fitness instructors and the personal trainers. Plenty of content on Crunch University. So that's such a benefit that we get that I refer to it as a moat. It's a moat around our company. So there's all these franchises competing for the same market, the same, same group of people. That pie is not growing all that much, mm-hmm. but we put a little moat around ourselves with this, uh, this programming that you can only get at Crunch. Right. And they're, they're looking ahead. They're great visionaries out there to the future saying, we have to do that same thing with small group training. So it's custom Crunch-only branded classes and a great curriculum to develop our instructors on. Amazing experiences. And that just furthers and deepens the moat around our company, saying you can go to again we'll, we'll remain nameless any other competitor, but you you can't get any of that stuff anywhere else and that's a that's
0: a really big deal for us got it so uh, as you look towards uh, the future, you know, is your kind of thinking that you're going to continually build out you know a club a year, is it something where down the road you might say, okay, look, I want to take in either a friend or I want to take in a family member, or I want to take in an outside investor and and accelerate this more, what, what's your current thinking on on wh- where the business is today, where you want to take it? Obviously, you have a lot of options. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure. It's, it's similar to what we said before, where there's that slow growth to you know find your footing, find your balance, say, oh, you know what? We know the operations. We know how to do these things. We know how to communicate. We know how to get customers. Um, and now, or just about now, is that inflection point where you, you take on some outside capital and say, let's put some fuel on this fire because we know how to make it work, and we know that it does work. And now, let's remove the financial bottleneck.
0: Yep great. Well, it's uh, it's great to talk to you here live. And, uh, likewise. I think, uh, there's, uh, some good learnings here, uh, for, for our audience. So look forward to, uh, continuing our, our personal relationship, business relationship, joining us for new future FDNY events and, uh, building your team and, uh, look forward to, uh, attending some of your new grand openings. <laughs> Thank
1: you. And likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Excellent. Okay.